I, I have spent a lot of time alone in life. Yes. Um, my upbringing, uh, I didn't feel like I had a lot of confidants and people I could uh, rely on for emotional support. Yeah. Um, so feeling capable of being alone and knowing that I can do it allows me to open myself up and be vulnerable to a lot more connections now. Because I'm not afraid that if this doesn't work out, I will be broken. Right. If this relationship ends, as all relationships will end, as all lives will end, yeah. um, it's not going to break me because I can be on my own. Right. Which I think is great that I use that ability to explore and open myself up to as many connections and relationships with people as I can yeah. it allows me to experience a lot more as right. I am uh, I am addicted to knowing yes. I want to know all the things Same. I want to experience all the things <laughs> yeah This is single and probably asexual with Kendra K. Welcome back to single and probably asexual. I have another very exciting interview today with my good friend Zach, aka Machine, aka Zachariah Obadiah, aka just Zach. Um, I'm excited about today's episode. We're just going to have a super candid conversation about celibacy, something that I don't think a lot of people openly talk about, or I feel like there's also a lot of shame wrapped around celibacy, and I don't think there should be, so I'm, I'm excited to talk about this with you today. Excited to be here. Yeah, so, yeah, thank you. And we're recording on Zach's bed right now, and he's got some, I mean, the fanciest recording <laughs> stuff that I've seen, even though he'd probably say, beg to differ. <laughs> yeah. It's, but we, it's mediocre at best. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's better than my snowball <laughs> microphone, so this is kind of like luxury right now. <laughs> but um, quick backstory, um, Zach and I met out on the playa. <laughs> Burning Man 2019. I'll never forget it. I walked up. He was on this ladder building some scaffolding for the camp. And he goes, I'm machine. And I said, okay. And from then on out, I've asked him for help for almost everything in life. <laughs> and he's got all the answers for me. Um, we were luckily enough um, able to also go to this year's burn together with a lot of our crew from 2019. And that was really special, even though we we're kind of broken up, but it was a wild year. But yeah, so I'm just going to let Zach go ahead and introduce himself here and talk a little bit about him, um, his life, and then we'll start getting into some celibacy talk. <laughs> uh, well, I'm Zach. I'm 34 now, but I grew up in eastern Washington in a rural community and uh, grew up very religious and conservative and at some points in my young life uh, was determined to be a priest and I did not lose my virginity until I was 19 in the second year of college um, but uh, went through a lot of changes in my first year of college. I didn't know that you wanted to be a priest. Yeah, we'll, I, we'll we'll circle back. <laughs> We're gonna circle back to that. Keep going. Sorry. Yeah, I uh, was very active in my church as a kid. I uh, became a deacon. I would do scripture readings. I uh, yeah helped serve communion, um, but uh, definitely have always felt called to like service and helping. Um, and in a small community of four thousand people. Uh, Church was definitely the easiest and most standard way to go about that, and where I got a lot of joy out of. Right. Uh, so put a lot of energies into that as a kid. Also into community theater and band and uh, all the things. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, uh, yeah. Speaking of sexuality and celibacy, I 
realized after going to college and uh, getting a much broader view and broader perspective on the world that uh, uh, a lot of the ideas I had were incorrect and uh, I, d I didn't have the full picture so I decided to want to experience things for myself. Um, so went to a party and uh, just hit on a woman there uh, <laughs> and ended up hooking up that night. And how old were you at this point? 19. 19, that's right. Uh, and funnily enough, uh, we are still good friends. <laughs> Hang out pretty regularly. I actually saw her yesterday. So Awesome. <laughs> but after that, went through uh, a series of relationships, dated a high school sweetheart for a few years in college, uh, but never really had a, a, a serious adult relationship. Um, and then until, uh, much later in my twenties, I was living in Spokane, uh, working at a bar, uh, met a wonderful woman. Uh, we ended up dating for two years. Uh, she ended up moving to Western Washington with me. Um, but we were both not in great places in our lives. Uh, we were both heavy drinkers and not really emotionally available for each other. Um, and I think caused a lot of trauma for each other, uh, that I definitely feel a lot of responsibility for. Um, and after that relationship ended, I, uh, had a lot to work through. I quit drinking. I ended up living on the side of a mountain, um, making moonshine and living in a trailer on friend's land. That's and... probably my favorite machine story, <laughs> I think. Yeah, not, not a lot of people apparently just go live on the side of a mountain for a year I, off grid. Not, uh... not really with no electricity, <laughs> running water. It's definitely, you exceed your name machine <laughs> as just being able to survive in those elements. Well, yeah, I, I grew up doing a lot and learning a lot. So I've, I've always, I like to say I collect trade skills like trading cards. Um, I like being useful and fixing things, and so I've I've picked up a lot over the years. Yeah. But uh, living up there and spending so much time alone and really thinking about myself and who I wanted to be and what I wanted to do moving forward, um, you know, like I said, decided to quit drinking, uh, yeah. ended up back in my hometown, isolated myself, was angry at the world, um, focusing on myself, and ended up. Uh, being celibate for four and a half years after that. Um, and a lot of that, I think, stemmed from the idea that I did not feel worthy of other people's love, yeah. of my own love, of physical attention, yeah. of joy. Um, I, I just worked and distracted myself and tried to get by. Yeah. And it wasn't until our friend, uh, Allie, uh, ended up back in my hometown with me and she saw the state I was in and how angry at the world and sad with life I was and uh, decided that she could help me by giving me some purpose and said uh, I, she needed my help to build a Burning Man camp. And so, that was 2018, Bird. That was 2018, yeah. yeah. So I ended up building a bunch of infrastructure, shade structure, bar, everything for uh, Burning Man camp uh, without ever going to Burning Man or really understanding what it was. Yeah. So uh, I didn't quite get it <laughs> and then ended up going down there and uh, had an amazing experience, found a community of accepting people who wanted you to have joy. and. Yeah enjoy life and be different and not have to be uh, the archetype of the American nuclear family, uh, which is not something I ever felt called to. Right. So uh, there was an experience I had uh, Wednesday of Burn Week uh -huh. in 2018. Uh, I was helping... Uh, do the lighting on this uh, art install out on Playa called Kinesiosis. It was a, a big steel swing. And uh, 
I was wearing a Sailor Mars outfit, uh, free climbing the uh, inside of this 30-foot steel wall, uh, hanging LED strip tape at probably 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night. Uh -huh. um, I had taken some psychedelics, and <laughs> uh, this couple crawled onto the swing below me. So they're sitting on this half-moon-shaped piece of steel on a giant 20-foot uh, arm, and they start making love and for about 45 minutes they're they're slowly enjoying each other's bodies and making eye contact with me and smiling and sharing this joy and love with their surroundings with the people around them with each other and I started crying and I just realized that I missed that kind of connection. I missed that affection in my life. Um, and went and had a mental breakdown in my tent and cried for eight hours. And, you know, classic Wednesday Burning Man things. For sure. The, yeah, it's <laughs> that Wednesday you're trying to get over the hump. And... <laughs> yeah. Everything, your stress has been building and yep. suddenly something just breaks. Yeah, and not only that, but you are physically out there working. You're already exhausted. It's, it's a lot. <laughs> that it is. And after coming back from that first burn, I, uh, I called up an old friend, uh, and <laughs> said, Hey, I would, uh, like to be intimate again. Are you down? Yeah. <laughs> and started a, a physical relationship again and started exploring those kinds of sensations and life in general again, yeah. got really involved with the local burner community that, uh, I was able to do collaborative art again and build things and work with people for the joy of it. And it, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely a trope and a cliche, but going to Burning Man changed my life for the better. I was literally going to say that. I was going to say, so Burning Man really was a pivotal moment in your life. It, yeah, it was definitely a sea change. Yeah. Um, but since then, I've uh, definitely move to the other end of the spectrum from yes, celibacy. Yes. Uh, I, uh, I don't like to say I am anything as labels tend to be, uh, confining and, yep. and restrictive, yep. I think, but I found polyamorous and pansexual to be useful in communicating who I am with people. Yeah. And, uh, it has been a great joy to experience, well, joy again. Yeah. To have the connections in life, uh, platonic, romantic, physical, that I denied myself for so long. Right. Right. So I want to get back to your current, you know, life now and not being celibate and being polyamorous and like being sexually active and all those things. So when you were on your like, new journey of being sober and you were got out of that relationship that you felt a lot of grief around. What was that time like for you personally? Like what was going through your head? I know. I mean, it sounded like you felt shame with that relationship, but did that also, were there other things that drove you? Cause like being sober is that's hard to do. And especially like, cause you were 10 years or eight years of like alcoholism. Uh, I started drinking when I was 13, 14. Um, <laughs> so like... So yeah, I quit drinking six years ago now yeah. at 28. Yeah. So yeah. 15 a, a years. Good 14, 15 years. Wow. And so like that's hard enough to like transition from doing that every day to not and then to also letting go another part of yourself, which was being free with your body and being sexually active. So what was that? I mean, I'm, obviously it's got, it had to have been incredibly hard, but what were some of the things that were like going through your brain during that time? Um, shame, spite, anger. I, uh, was definitely an ascetic time in my life. I became anorexic as well. Went from 220 pounds down to 130 pounds. Um, I, feel like looking back that I was trying to punish myself in the moment I felt like I was 
trying to work on myself and be better and be a better person. Yeah. Um, and that, well, it's the, the classic trope of if I get, you know, this, then I can do this. If I make this much money, then right. I can do what I want to do. If I, you know, find happiness, then I can go be happy, but right, you can't, right. you can't really have landmarks and, and milestones like that because yeah. you life is never going to go exactly the way you plan it's never going exactly. to be on your schedule and so. if you have these bullet points of where you want to be you're going to get you're going to be let down because mm -hmm. life will happen and it's easier to just flow with it rather than be like no i'm supposed to be here and i'm supposed to be here expectations are the number one form of disappointment yeah <laughs> yeah and we are our own worst enemies <laughs> yeah so Finding a community of people uh, that supported me and accepted me for who I was because I I definitely did not feel that um, yeah. in the, the years after I quit drinking. Uh, I was surrounded by people who were of a very different political and social mindset than me who yeah. um, did not think of me as a peer who uh, were also very heavy into alcoholism and uh, defeatism and Ludditism and the idea that there was a specific way to live life and that I was not doing that and therefore right. I was wrong and broken. Right. It's such a small community out there too that it was hard to even find anybody. Yeah. Of of like mine. Right. Every, yeah, everyone's just, you know, a small town. We're all, we think the same, we act the same. And those who don't are not advertising that. I think a lot of what fueled my ability to be myself in that time and to have such discipline and willpower, um, not that all of it was directed in healthy or good ways, but uh, spite is a hell of a motivation yeah. um, to have living examples around you of which you do not want to be mm. um, can be a very powerful motivation right. to be something else. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that had to have been rough just going through all these motions and waves of a new Zach all at once and letting go of something that was a comfort for so many years and uh, something that was habitual like drinking and then having those thoughts of like, yeah, well, I'm not worthy enough and I'm not good enough. So I don't deserve to be with anybody or around anybody. Were there ever thoughts of like, also like I'm taking this time to heal myself because I know that I'm not ready to be with other people and I don't want to hurt people further. That was definitely on my mind. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to inflict myself on others. Uh, my father was an alcoholic and was physically abusive to my mother. Um, he ended up committing suicide on a family camping trip after beating my mother in the side of the head so bad that, uh, she lost a lot of her hearing in that ear and his, uh, permanent brain damage. And this happened in front of us kids and there's strong motivation to not be that right but at that point in my life i definitely felt um that i was becoming my father and Oof. did not want to be that Oof. yeah um my 32nd birthday a few years ago was a big milestone for me because i had uh i was then older than my father when he died i made it past the struggles that he did yeah. and that uh I feel like I've definitely moving in the right direction. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> you are for sure. Um, I love when um, Zach and I used to live together very briefly before I started van life. And it was during 2020. And it was this year where we were all, everything's going to shit. Everything's going to hell. And Zach was, and he had just moved back to Seattle from Othello on that new chapter post burning man 2019 and it was just great always hearing you say my life just keeps going up and up <laughs> <laughs> but it was just awesome to have you know that person you know 
perspective from someone different. And it was a shit year for a lot of people, but there was also a lot of beautiful things that happened to you in 2020. And and yeah, with the past that you have had, you have not had an easy past, even since like infancy, you know, and you're just, you're a very strong person and you definitely do deserve love. And I know you know that and you get it and all these beautiful things happen now. But yeah, there's that, like that first initial, like pushing through that, like, I don't like, I can't accept love for myself because I don't deserve it. And I think for me too, I have those thoughts and then I have, um, like for me, it's like my mental health. Like I don't want to be with someone yet because I know that I can, I need to improve more on like when I'm sad and when I'm frustrated and when I get down on myself and how I neglect myself some days. And, um, I never want to, yeah, inflict that on other people. So I've been celibate for like, I think seven years now which is kind of wild to say, but for me, I also feel like I don't, maybe for me at this time in my life, I don't need sex. And I think it's beautiful for me right now because now that I'm doing van life and I've got my little dog and we're on the road, I have time to focus on this like new adventure and also like get to know myself more. Because I feel, and maybe you can relate to this, that I spent so many years in pain and like being upset and unhappy and feeling unworthy that I lost who I was. Like I didn't know who I was. And so now that I'm like able to physically explore and like get in the van and like travel around and do all these things, I feel like I'm literally like getting to know myself for the first time. And I think for me personally, before I want to want to enter into a relationship Because, you know, the asexual in me is just like, I can't have one night stands. Like if I'm doing, if I'm going to be sexually active, I want to do it with a partner, Mm -hmm. like someone that I care about and someone that like shows that care and love for me. But I feel like I'm still learning about who I am. Like I just turned 30 and I feel like I'm learning all of these new things. And I love having friends like you and like Garrett who are in disco, who are so explorative with their selves and their minds and their bodies. And I feel like listening to you guys talk about the things that you do and the experiences that you have and it's just really cool. And it makes me feel excited for like when I get to have those experiences <laughs> in the future when I'm ready. But I love how open you guys are about talking about all this stuff. Cause like for someone like me, and it probably goes like hand in hand with this podcast. Like someone could be listening to this, like not having any relation to it, but it's cool to listen to other people's perspectives. And that's where like I sit with like, hearing about like you knew life as a polyamorous person and being pansexual and exploring. And I just think that's great. But yeah, I feel like a lot of, I'm just still learning about me, like getting to know who Kendra is. Um, I feel that I am definitely still learning about myself as well. Yeah. Um, That is one thing I really do appreciate about uh, you and spending time with you is that even though you are not a sexually active and, uh, sexually exploratory person you are a very sex positive person for sure it does not have to be something you participate in or go out and do all these things in order to be supportive of the conversation about other people's expressions and things like that sex supporter (laughs) (laughs) especially with your photography it is very Very much (laughs) sex supporter and body positive yeah yeah yeah. and i appreciate that a lot as someone who considers themselves a, a sex positive person and feels that we should have more public conversation about the ways we view things in general, not just sex, but the biases we have ingrained about traditional aspects of life. Yeah. We know that the past is not the best we could do, that we can do better. Right. So let's discuss what we can try and what we can make better in the future, whether that be about sex, social conformity, the how we organize society in housing, jobs, right. scheduling, transportation. All of these things have been impacted by technology, but they have not been completely redesigned. Right. We're still stuck in the rails. Like, uh, I can't remember who wrote it, but there's famous thought idea of when they designed the space station uh they had to design every 
flat surface as a floor because there was no up or down. You didn't have walls. You didn't have a floor and a ceiling. <gasps> you could have That's six right. floors in a room right. that you could utilize as space. So if we designed things from the ground up without the biases that we've had from what we did in the past, right. what would the world look like today? Right. <laughs> wow. That's really cool. That's, yeah, the six floors. That's because, yeah, once you're up there, everything can't, is a floor. <laughs> it could, this could be the floor one hour and then this could be the floor the next hour. <laughs> That's really cool. Wow. Um, so when you had that moment in 2018 burn where you saw that couple and you were up there doing that, what was... What were these, what were thoughts and feelings coming up for you? Was it just a whole bunch of your past? And I know you said you felt sorrow that you couldn't, that you didn't allow yourself to feel that joy. Yeah, there was a lot of regret because... Yeah, regret. I I feel like I have a very strong willpower. When I decide to do something, I do it. Yeah. Uh, regardless of the, the cost or the effort involved. And I had decided to be celibate and decided to quit drinking and those were hard lines right and then seeing that expression of joy and love between two people i was like why did i cut myself off from that uh so there was this grieving for chances lost for this person i thought i was that i was not um but at the same time, there was a uh, great excitement for future possibilities and this kind of epiphany and awakening of who I want to be going forward. And I feel like that's been a, a main theme in <laughs> the last six years of my life yeah. is taking an active look at who I do want to be in the future and what steps I can take to make that come into being now as instead of being worried about the next milestone and buying a house or getting married or being in a, a stable relationship and having kids it's for me it's who do I want to be today what do I want to do today that's going to serve my future self yeah uh, there's no there's no hard lines there's no deadlines it's yeah. just well, ambitious hedonism. Yeah, <laughs> love it. <laughs> Such a Zach line right there. <laughs> um, that's really cool. And I feel like I'm doing that a little bit more and more in my life too. But there's times where I genuinely feel like so scared and anxious about what, you know, because like for not having f like physical contact in that way with someone for so long not doing that and like the person who is a perfectionist in me who like wants to master everything and be good at everything because that's how I've received love my entire life unfortunately mm -hmm. and that's the process that I've been in to receive life but a gifted kid who has to be great at everything when they first try it exactly I know the feeling exactly the kid who didn't receive love and who had to find love differently and the kid who is an adult now who still doesn't receive love in that way, who has to keep pushing herself and build the van, travel the world, do all the things. I know that feeling and I empathize yeah. with that because, yeah, you don't do something for so long that you you build it up in your head and you don't you don't want to be bad at it. Yeah. And uh, the commercialization and media portrayal of sex has this idea that everything is smooth and passionate and flowing and that nobody trips or falls right. and bodies that... have to be smooth no <laughs> hair like all of this stupid stuff vaseline on the lens that, yeah and uh as a very active person now um sex is not like that yeah sex is not porn yeah and the greatest sex you could have is with someone who is willing and enjoys laughing at the mistakes and the stumbles yeah. and the corny puns and having a partner 
uh, who understands you and accepts you and is willing to allow you to explore that space in your body and right. to explore your feelings without judgment and uh, expectations is definitely a, a key thing to yeah. loving yourself. For sure. And being <laughs> able to be shown that you can explore and it doesn't have to be a certain way. And I think like as a woman, I get like scared about like, do I have to be a certain way if I'm like intimate with a man or all of these things that like pop up and like sometimes make me scared or nervous. Um, so yeah, what was, so when you called up your friend, that was great. I love that. Like the instant, like, all right, I'm ready to do this. And I know that I'm going to do this, but what was it like? Not just that time, not like that time, but moving past that, how was your experience being more open? Was it scary or were you just like, you know, I've been waiting for this. I'm fucking ready. And I'm so much more confident in who I am as a person. And I know what I deserve. I'm just, I'm ready to do something different. It was definitely not a wave of confidence and ability. <laughs> it was Fair. awkward. It was uh, <laughs> jerky. It was... Uh, I'm a person that when I'm uh, nervous or... Uh, I also tend not to get hints and social cues very well. So I uh, ask a lot of explicit questions. Yeah. Um, and uh, consent is something that is very important to me. Yes. So I can be overly communicative and awkward yeah and uh i was lucky enough to have a a person in my life uh who was a good friend who is a very openly sexual and openly exploratory person yeah. who was willing to allow me to be that and to uh coach me back into the uh active sex life that i now have yeah um we are still partners and uh, very much enjoy each other's company uh, yes. to this day. And uh, they have taught me a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but it was not smooth. It was not just a quick decision and suddenly I'm polyamorous and having multiple partners. Right. It was... Right. It's a, it was a, an incline. Of, exactly. Yeah, finding... Building up. What I wanted and what felt good to me and really the polyamory thing uh, was realizing that I had loved and still do love so many people in my life. Um, and that physical expression of that love was, is just some small facet of that relationship. Like I love you and we have a platonic relationship. Mm -hmm. I love so many people in our yeah. friend circle and it's, not all of them in a platonic relationship. Yeah, yeah. But it's the separation of romantic love and partner love and familial love and platonic love is not something that ever felt clear mm. in my mind. Um, the separation of those boundaries is, in my mind and in my relationships, about what serves those people the best, what are... Yeah. Their boundaries and my boundaries, where do those conflict and where do they align? And it's not these predefined roles of right. this person gets to be this kind of friend. This person gets to be this kind of friend. Right. It's this is a person. Mm -hmm. I enjoy my life interacting with their life. Yeah. And whatever is the best way for that interaction to bring the best joy to both of us for the longest period of time mm -hmm. is the way I want to pursue that relationship. Yep. A uh, utilitarian, <laughs> the greatest joy for the greatest amount of people for the longest time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's beautiful. That's probably a very polyamorous way to look at relationships, I assume. Because, yeah, you're like, I love everybody, but I have sex with these people. <laughs> and then I hang out with these people. I play D&D &D with these people. <laughs> we do board games with these people. And then we go to Burning Man all together sometimes. And and that is a very messy Venn diagram. <laughs> <laughs> but it's your Venn diagram. <laughs> it is. I, I consider myself a relationship anarchist. Yeah. Um, as... 
for those unfamiliar with um, ethical non-monogamy and polyamory in particular, there's uh, several different ways people like to organize their relationships. Right. Um, mine is not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you don't have these all their constraints of, you know, you're not physically tied to somebody like marriage bound. And that's not something I don't think you were interested in. So that's I, why yeah. this polyamory is just like this fits like mm. this is what and you get to love as many people as you want and have people love you back. And and you were so isolated for so many years. So I get that. Like, what did you just say something about relationships? But a serial relationship person or just relationship anarchist relationship anarchist. <laughs> and that just totally makes sense for you because you were on the side of a mountain and living in a fellow <laughs> with other people who were not on your same wavelength. And I think it's really cool and beautiful to see how you've like blossomed to this place oh, that's comfortable for you and that you enjoy. And yeah, like you were saying earlier, getting yourself when you were younger, doing the things that you wanted to be today. And I think you do that well. You've done it. <laughs> You've completely done it. It is, like all things in life, a work in progress. Yeah. I am uh, I'm very happy with how it's turning out. Right. Well, that's, yeah, that's amazing. Um, so that's really cool that, yeah, you said like when you were going back to this, he just wants to be with you. If you guys can't hear already, my dog's with me, but he's always with me, so. <laughs> he'd be very good. He just wants pets. He just wants Zach's love. <laughs> um, so when you were going through the transition to being kind of solo and isolated and coming into this new life, how has that changed your life in any other ways? Like... Or what is the difference that you feel like within yourself, like compared to like 10 years ago? And I know it's very broad because 10 years ago it was very dark and different. And <laughs> I, uh, I feel much more confident and capable. Uh, I, you know, spending that year on the mountain definitely taught me that I was capable of great feats of endurance yeah. and, uh, mental and emotional and physical, physical. endurance. <laughs> um, I spent a summer, uh, well, in 20, I would have been 2011. Uh, so just over 10 years ago, wow. I bought a motorcycle, quit my job, and uh, spent three months just riding around with a sleeping bag and a backpack. Um, camping on the side of the road, hiking up in the mountains, and eating out of a 60-pound bag of barley I stole from the pig farm I worked at when I quit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that, I, I have spent a lot of time alone in life. Yes. Um, my upbringing, uh, I didn't feel like I had a lot of confidants and people I could uh, rely on for emotional support. Yeah. Um, so feeling capable of being alone and knowing that I can do it allows me to open myself up and be vulnerable to a lot more connections now Yeah. because I'm not afraid that if this doesn't work out, I will be broken. Right. If this relationship ends as all relationships will end, as all lives will end, yeah. um, it's not going to break me because I can be, on my own right. which I think is great that I use that ability to explore and open myself up to as many connections and relationships with people as I can yeah it allows me to experience a lot more as right. I am uh, I am addicted to knowing yes. I want to know all the things Same. I want to experience all the things <laughs> so yeah. at that point I was just like well uh, now's the time. You're just going to take the time. Yeah. Sit and think through this and right. learn how to be yourself. Yes. Learn how to deal with all these things that are in your mind without self-medicating it away. Right. All these demons that you have, all these emotions, all the trauma, all the fears, all the failure, everything. Yeah. And it is a lot. And sitting and processing that and 
peeling it apart in your mind is almost more traumatic than going through it. Yeah. You can shut down and survive very well. I mean, as yes. humans, we are built to do that quite well. Right. Oh, you lose an arm? Keep running. It's yeah. going to kill you if you don't. Exactly. But sitting there and picking it apart and reliving it, um, whether it's abuse yeah. or uh, trauma or even physical pain, it's yeah. forcing your brain to relive that and then dissect it and try to understand it um, is a lot. Yeah. And the fact that we don't have a culture that is openly communicating about how hard that is and how useful and necessary that is for a happy, healthy social community, um, I, I find not good. Dave. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think a lot of people are in a similar boat that we are in, have been in, and it is hard to be alone with your thoughts, but it is also very powerful. And I kind of take comfort, not for, I take comfort obviously for myself knowing that like a lot of people turn to being in like a relationship, like committed relationship because they can't be on their own because they can't, they don't want to go through those thoughts. They don't want to sit by themselves every night and think about the shit that they went through during the day or the shit that they went through 10 years ago that's popping up during, you know, that day. Mm -hmm. And that's, and it's, it's incredibly hard. It is. And like you said, it's almost more traumatic in a way to like relive that. And especially when you don't have somebody to bounce your, you know, ideas or feelings off of, which is beneficial in a way because self growth, like true self, growth like soul healing growth it only comes from you like you can't have your partner heal you maybe you could have your partner be there to support you through your healing but a lot of people that's hard to find in some relationships especially if it's a new relationship but i find that if people really change when they're on their own and they can sit with themselves and their thoughts and their feelings and what's going through their body, how their nervous system is feeling and yeah, what they want, what they need to do for themselves to be this person that they see themselves being in the future. And yeah, I agree. I don't think it's talked about enough. And I feel, and especially in like today's society where we can order food and it can be delivered by our door and we don't have to go to the grocery store. We don't have to do anything. And it's even more isolating. And then we have like our phones and the social media and, um, media to just like fall back on to like sometimes like okay I'm gonna like get out of my thoughts and I'm gonna like watch Trixie Mattel on YouTube me <laughs> and you know we kind of like do these things that also alleviate it in a way but it is incredibly hard to go through that but also very and especially like doing that while being celibate not allowing yourself to almost like release in some way but making yourself continue going through this painful journey because you know that you're going to be here at the end of this shit you're sifting through. Your idea of the goal is worth it. Yeah. yeah. And that's, yeah. Keeping motivation through a long-term, well, ascetic challenge like that is hard. And that's why, uh, you know, whether it be fasting or uh, celibacy or uh, a workout routine it's... quitting drinking quitting <laughs> some substances yeah. getting out of the toxic job yeah um getting up and uh eating a healthy breakfast it's it's hard to do that without those rewards right without the little uh dopamine releases that come with everything in today's society yeah. with the, the instant gratification right um not that i don't think we should have those things for sure they're uh, great <laughs> <laughs> but i feel like we should definitely as a culture talk about how long-term planning for not your financial future not your career but for 
who you want to be as a person. Yes. For yes. what life you want to live. Yes. And not just, well, I'm going to have this job for the next 30 years so yeah. that I can have this kind of retirement. It's what, what do you want to do, you do yeah. with your life? How do you want to spend your time over yeah. the next 30 years? Because how you get the money to pay for that should not define those 30 years. Right. Um, so, yeah. Anyway. Getting off uh, my sexuality and into my anti-capitalism. <laughs> you know, we could talk about that for a while. <laughs> Wrong podcast. Wrong podcast. Another, another episode. <laughs> but, yeah, the idea that we as a society don't look at a person for who they are and yeah. allow them the freedom to choose who they want to be yes. and how they want to live their lives I think causes a lot of undue stress and strife and creates a lot of lack of connection right. for people. Right. Now, when you were single and go, like you're still, well, you know, you're, you're in relationships now. Did you as, cause like I feel the pressure as a woman, not thankfully from any of my friends or family or acquaintances, but the societal pressures of, and it's just like you were talking about like, oh, you need to go to college and get this job and get the house and everything. But it's like, oh, you need to reproduce by the time you're 30 and you need to be married. Mm -hmm. And then I think people looking at the single woman is like, what a waste almost, you know, like why, why live your life for yourself? Like you should be bearing children and <laughs> running a household or utilizing your life and time better than just living it for yourself. Did you ever like feel that? Uh, I feel some of that societal pressure, but at the same time, I feel like uh, I've done my part. I have no plans on reproducing. Yeah. Um, my uh, genetic trauma ends with me, <laughs> but uh, I am a... Uh, proud uncle and to my biological brother's kids yeah. as well as um my friends children i am involved in uh spreading the knowledge and skills and perceptions that i have gathered in my life mm -hmm. to the next generation i feel that i am putting a lot of value into our society yes. as a human being. Yes. And that, that has nothing to do with land ownership, marriage, state contract about who I'm sleeping with right. or, you know, my gametes reproducing. It's, yeah, there is so much that we can do for each other yeah. that has nothing to do with, the American dream. Right. That I have a great sense of pride and accomplishment in who I am as a person. Absolutely. Whether or not I, you know, end up penniless when I retire or uh, <laughs> never own land, that's, that's not important to me as much as living a good life. And having an impact on those that you love. Uh, that's yeah. uh, one of my favorite Stoics, Marcus Aurelius. I'm probably misquoting it, but he said, uh, Live a good life, for if there is a God and he is just, he will judge you justly. Mm -hmm. If there is a God and he prefers piety over a good life, then he's not worth praising. Right. And if there is no God, you will have lived a good life and left the world a better place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that you mentioned that because one of our very good friends that we see weekly, Maggie um, and Curtis, they have two sons, Freddie and Iggy. And Maggie, one of my best friends, I remember one day she was telling me, she was like, I am so adamant about having community around my children because I want my children to not grow. I want them to grow up and know that they have, you know, a mom and dad and aunts and uncles and grandparents but I want them to have other positive influences like your uncle to them and I'm auntie to them especially 
Maggie, I love this. She said she thinks Freddie is convinced that I'm just blood. And, and I, <laughs> when she said that, I swear my heart, my tiny little sad, depressed, oh. black heart filled up just a little bit because that just made me so happy. But when I think about it, I didn't have a lot of positive role models that were not my parents or like my aunt and my uncle. And I love my family and my extended family, but sometimes they're not, they're just, you know, they're my aunt, my uncle, or they're my grandma or my grandpa. They're not necessarily positive all the time or, you know, but it's like having a family friend that is close, that spends time with the kid, like their, Mm -hmm. their blood niece or nephew. I think that's so important. And that's what I love about being single Auntie Kendra is I do, I have so many beautiful babies in my life and like my second cousins who I am blood related to. It's so fulfilling to see them grow. And like personally, I don't think I want children either. Um, Just because the fear of passing something on to them that I've struggled with most of my life is something that I don't want to do and let's not even get into the world. or the climate, or politics, (laughs) but just being able to be a pillar in other small humans' lives that I love so much, and being able to be somebody that they can look up to, and that they can come to to talk with, that isn't just like blood family, but someone that you know, that, you know, they know that they can love and trust. And I think that's so cool. And like, yeah, so I was just piggybacking off of what you said there. Um, but I think it's awesome that we kind of are in this position to be able to do that for mm-hmm. the kids that we love in our lives. It's going to be the cool aunt and uncle. Exactly. <laughs> we already are. We already are the cool aunt and uncle. But yeah, but I think also with, yeah, back to like what we were talking about, just with being the cool aunt and uncle, we have this perspective and especially being alone being celibate um we have a perspective that not a lot of people have and it's something that is of value to teach to a younger generation you know especially if they ever you know like like i don't have any blood nieces or nephews but my best friend chelsea has a daughter and i love her so much and um I just am excited to be there for her in the future and watch her grow. And, you know, if she's ever at a point in her life where she's single and doing her own thing, I can be like, Hey, I've been there (laughs) and it's hard, but it's also like, it's really beautiful and it's transformative and it's not. um, And this goes along with being celibate too. Like, you know, society thinking that like celibacy, like there's people wrong who are celibate and then there's people wrong who are wrong, who, are like alone or like stay alone. Um, And I think that's fucked up. I mean, like we said, it's hard and it's difficult and we understand why people turn turns relationships, but there, I think there is such beauty in it too. And it's not discussed. It it really isn't. No, being alone with yourself is a beautiful experience. And the fact that, yeah, we don't have these choices. We aren't, we're told that there is one way to be and yeah. not that there's this plethora of lives to live that right. you can experience and try out and see what fits and right. see who you are. Or there's like, there's one way to be loved, you know, yeah. like you have to do this. Uh, the the whole trope of the spinster and the fact that we even have a word for that, like, oh, it's an unmarried old woman. Yes. And there they become this archetype of a person in the social mind. Like there's, as many different types of unmarried uh, older women as there are unmarried older women. Every right. person is unique. Everyone has their own unique reasons, their own unique stories. Yeah. And to try and other people who aren't you is right. never going to create a happier, healthier society. Right. Right. Yeah, it's unfortunate how those who go differently with the grain of life and society and the events that you're supposed to experience in life at certain ages or stages of life, it's, um, yeah, it's it's truly unfortunate. Because oftentimes I'll feel, and I this is my own stuff that I just have to like process. Um, I have to get like to the state of where you're at right now. But there's some times where I feel like I am a burden around other people in my life, even friends, because my way of living 
isn't their way of living. And it's hard for some people to even just um, socialize in that way. Like I have some friends that I think they they would rather socialize with other partners because they're partnered up. And so I feel like sometimes more of an outcast. And I know I kind of just need to get that out of my own head. But I do live a very solo, nomadic life. And I'm not frequently around, you know, my friends or um, Washington, even where I have most of my community. Um, but it is hard to even just break out of that yourself, even though, you know, it's like, you know, you're doing this thing in life that's different. And you know, it's beneficial for you. and You know, it's hard. But you still sometimes have that, like, you really aren't good enough. You're not good enough for these friends, or you're not good enough for these people. Or There's always that voice in your head. Yeah. When yeah. You, yeah. You show up to the party, and then you realize you're the only one who's not paired off. Right. Or you're the only one there without a college degree. Right. <laughs> or without a home. Right. <laughs> or with, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But Do you garden? No. <laughs> I don't have any live plants. <laughs> I can't afford it. <laughs> They'll just die. <laughs> and yeah, there's always that voice telling us, and I think everyone has that, that everyone yeah. else is laughing at you. Right. Or talking about you because you're the one that's sticking out. You're the one that doesn't fit. But Right. Everyone is feeling that way. Right, exactly. And no one is thinking that about you. <laughs> yeah, very true. Very true. If they are, they're assholes. Exactly. You don't want to hang out with them anyway. Exactly. You, just, you, <laughs> you find your people further and further, you know, as you progress in life. Sometimes, you know, you have to go to the middle of the desert in Nevada to find your Seattle crew. But... Yes. <laughs> and find yourself and have your life yeah. alter, change drastically. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I feel like when it comes, like Burning Man, it's a, this is a great topic for this. My two experiences at Burning Man were really great. I mean, obviously this last time was hard with the weather and the dust and everything. But there's still a part of me that is learning more about who I am and what I want in life and just who Kendra is. And in an area where it's so exploratory and you there's no rules I still both times found myself holding back a lot, um, especially in this place where it's just like, I can do whatever the fuck I want here, you know, like <laughs> anything. But I think the, my life and what I'm used to and everything that I've ever told myself and what I've been given from others, um, even at a place that is so open and you, you know, some people will drastically do all these different things, you know, just to try or have fun mm -hmm. or do all these things. I still sometimes find myself holding myself back. And I do that a lot in life too. And it's still something that I'm working through, which is why I still feel like I'm on this journey of being a solo on my own and being celibate because I still feel like there's so much more for me to get to a point of feeling like I'm ready to like break loose. Like I'm actually ready to, do something quite different in life and giving feeling like I can give myself that permission. Um, but that is scary. And Bernie man is beautiful, but I was, I kind of, it made me sad to realize that in a way that I wasn't allowing myself full freedom at a place that there is just full freedom, but it's that habitual, you know, it's just like, oh, yeah. oh my body knows what to do. My body tells me to stop here. My body tells me to walk away here. And, yeah. Yeah. It's, it is an interesting place because as you said, it's, I mean, just for, you know, reality's sake, there are rules, yeah. there are cops, right. there's safety, there's a five mile an hour speed limit. Yes. It's, <laughs> yes, there are some rules put in place at Burning Man. <laughs> but it is this culture in this space where you are supported and made specifically purposely to feel that you can do anything and you're allowed right. to do anything to express yourself to be happy to explore right um but even in that space and even as polyamorous pansexual i've never hooked up with anyone at burning man right i've there is sanitary issues no kidding <laughs> <laughs> 
attention issues, I think. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, like, it's not just a festival. It's not just right. a sex party. It's... No. I mean, there are those things at the place, but it is a city. It's a city. And there's so much going on yeah. that I... My joy in being there is the build, the yeah. experience, the participation. Um, it's there's something for everyone. Mm-hmm. Whatever you want out there, you can find. Right. Um, so I think, but until, like you were saying, until you're ready to allow yourself to go find what you want. Um, yeah. That work's going to be inside you. Right. For sure. Yeah. But having a place and a community and a support system that gives you the freedom to explore yourself and to fail and make mistakes and try new things is inherently necessary to for figuring sure. that out for yourself. Right. Yeah. And then it's also about bringing that back to real life. Like, how can I bring this back to real life? Like, this experience and apply this to life and feel comfortable enough to go up to someone at a coffee shop and say, hey, I really love your outfit. Or go up to someone and say, for me personally, I would love to photograph you. Like, just, yeah, stuff like that. But, yeah. Birdie Man is a magical place. And if anyone has not gone, Zach and I highly recommend. (laughs) It is quite transformational and yeah I just I mean even like this last burn where I felt like I wasn't doing a lot because the heat was just a lot and um, I had so much fun just hanging out at camp with friends and stuff and new friends but um, it's uh, it's just fun to just be there like even if I didn't go out and explore most days and if I was just sitting at camp meeting new people that was enough for me most days just and just being in this place that wasn't like real life yeah yeah just to be surrounded by a community that doesn't have expectations of you that allows you to be free and yourself and if yourself is you know sitting drinking a white claw in a lawn chair at camp in a nice shade structure in 110 degree heat that's uh it's nice to feel welcome doing that as well exactly yeah yeah, beautiful, beautiful place. And I'm excited to keep going in the future and see how I evolve the more and more I go with how I evolve more and more personally in life and, like, being more comfortable being who I am and, you know. I'm excited to see that for you, too. Hey. <laughs> I'm excited to watch you actually blow something up one day at the burn. <laughs> I've seen you blow up other things, but at the burn. Yeah. Um, our... Uh... Art build this year got canceled because of a windstorm, so we yeah. didn't get a lighted on fire. Right. So. <laughs> yeah, that was that was an experience. Um, okay, well, we can wrap up here. What I have, so I have like a um, couple just end questions. So for those who are listening, if you can give someone any like advice or wisdom that you have gathered in your own life when it comes to either being celibate or walking this journey of being alone and especially as someone who's like on the other side of it kind of you know um what that process was like for you and maybe what you learned the most that you like could give others advice about like on how to either just persevere and keep moving or you're never gonna feel ready yeah it's if you're waiting until you're at that point where and and no matter what it is whether it's celibacy or or, or job or anything take some time think it out do what's best for you but don't wait until you're in your mid-30s to finally say that oh i'm ready to try this it's we all figure it out as we go Mm -hmm. um the older i get the more i realize that everyone else here is (laughs) has no big picture there's no administration there's no council calling the shots who know all the answers we're all just figuring this out as we go right at different stages too Mm -hmm. yeah and even now i mean 
you say I'm on the other side of it, but mm-hmm. I still feel like that same person. I just have so many more new great experiences, but yeah. I I am still learning who I am. I am still right. figuring out what I want to be and who I want to be. Right. And I hope that I will be until the day I die. For sure. <laughs> if you're not continually growing, then you're not living. Yeah. yeah. But I would... Uh, be true to yourself. Yeah. Um, don't let the uh, the fear of what others may think stop you from living your best life and being who you want to be. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's good advice. And yeah, you will always continually be learning. And even though you're in a very different stage of life right now, you're still always learning. There's still more that you're like, okay, well, now that I'm here, I'm we're going to go through this or we're going to move through this or now, or I want to now explore this. And yeah, there's always just, and like, like we were talking about earlier, it's nice to just realize that when you don't plan out life and you just allow life to happen and you just flow with it and say, okay, this happened. I got in a car accident or whatever. And I'm just going to lost my limb. I'm just going to keep, I'm just going to keep going. And if you can just move with the waves of your own life, it's very powerful and, you know, if you don't, if you try to stop it or bullet point, you know, your life, and all this stuff, it can just get a little chaotic and rocky and it's, there's power in just like letting life happen. Yeah. Okay. Zeke, you did pretty good. You were very fidgety. It's probably because it's in the morning, but you did very good. <laughs> well... He's very dandruffy. <laughs> We're going to shake this off. Sorry. Oh, no worries. I'll vacuum it. <laughs> well, Zach, you're amazing. I love you so much. And I, I appreciate <laughs> that we got to sit and have this conversation. <laughs> and maybe I'll have you on the podcast again one day. And we'll have another topic to discuss about or talk about this one even further. <laughs> well, whether we record or not, I look forward to future conversations with you. Yes. And game nights. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Should I stop it? Yeah, stop it! <laughs>